G'day, I'm Heather Maltman, and we are back in action for more awesome and insightful stories from regular humans like you and me to big-name celebrities that you see on your screens and on a flat piece of paper. This is the One Together podcast, and if you are just joining us, we say hello to you. Hello. And thank you for pulling up some carpet. Thank you. Now get nestled in for a great chat and maybe a slight giggle as we remind you you are not alone in whatever bullshit life is throwing you today, or if you are at peak efficiency, congratulations, well, then this is the podcast helping you get to the next freaking level. So talk about an auditory upgrade. Let's get stuck into it. All the colours of the rainbow and then some is my next guest, a woman who has painted for the likes of Emma Watson and Jim Carrey. I'm not exaggerating. She has created artwork the world over and features in hotels. I mean, her art alone is the work of pixies eating glitter and playing drunk on a canvas with soul-defying love. Yes, she will have you over for a cuppa and then she'll teach you how to paint so you can find your true voice. Her name is Tracy Eaton. She is a woman who has decided she didn't want to work in sales anymore and walked in that day and just quit. Tell me how many times you've imagined that last week alone. Well, she just bloody does it. She takes action, and today she not only shares how you can do that in a way that's less scary, but she also gives us insight into her, how her light got stamped out for so long. Tell me you don't know what that feels like, what it was like making the decision to have a hysterectomy in her early 20s, why she thinks we need to change the way we view fertility, and women's communication breakdown. She is a firecracker. She is a strong-ass woman. She has the soul of a million women and men merged into one human being. She is Tracy Eaton, and I love her to death. Enjoy what we have to offer. The following podcast contains some coarse language. This episode will also discuss women's fertility, as well as some topics about mental health. For support, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or a trusted medical professional. How how you got where you are today? How did sure. you go from, I mean, you started in business. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. You weren't. For many years. Yeah. You like proper desk nine to five, weren't corporate you? corporate yeah. job. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. was that again? It was a, you were in sales or uh, something, Multiple love. I all sales, all executive yeah. sales, and I've sold everything but cars mm. and real estate. And the only reason I, I got offered a car sales job, yeah. but I decided I wanted to not work on a Saturday, I wanted my weekends for free. <laughs> so that's the only reason I didn't take it. <laughs> I love that you still had artist tendencies even when you were in sales. Uh, fully. Yeah. And everywhere, which is why every year and a half, pretty much, maybe two years, yeah. I would change jobs because I would I would create something as I could build up territories that were run down yeah I'd build them up get bored shitless and then move on move on yeah to the next one so were you always doing art on the side like did you always no. have a love of the canvas no did you enjoy the smell of the paint I love the the can- well yes how can you not I mean, what, about, what, about, what about my friends say now I get why you actually paint all the time because you end up being as high as a cart on the fumes. Well, you don't yes. really but I did think that was funny <laughs> uh no I haven't actually I've always been creative Mm. highly creative brain and loved colour. So those are the two things that I guess from way back I can remember have been in my mind and in my my life. Mm. So when I was at high school, I I only realised this last year, Mm. I picked up a brush for the first time when I was 15 
Really? Um, yeah, at school. And, I, and I, I'd forgotten completely about that. And I painted, or three quarters painted, one picture. Yeah. And then uh, my art teacher, was actually over here on a student exchange, said to me, oh, look, lovely, but you're never going to be an artist. I was like, oh, right then. I didn't even, I was like, oh, squash my dreams, Daddy. But at the same time, yours, it wasn't even, pretty much. It wasn't even really a dream. At the time, I was going to be like a brain surgeon or a teacher or really? something, you know. I mean, can I just say, <laughs> an artist doing brain surgery? I'm going to connect so that in there. It would be so bad. Like, oh I'll put God. that part of the cranium in that hole. <laughs> and there, uh, we'll I, put a oh, bit of metal in that. I, That'll work. I have thought that many times. I'm like, thank God, I didn't take that profession on. Like, yeah. that would be the worst. Anyway. Yeah. I still so, think you would have been good at it, though. I would have made sure I was. Yeah. You've just kind of got that mentality where when you put your mind to something, you yeah. just make it happen. Well, you can't not, really. Well, well I believe that anyway. If you're going to mm. do it, you might as well give it a damn good go. Yeah. And do the best you can. So, yeah. Yeah. So then so how then, do you go from working in sales to then <laughs> painting naked bodies on canvases? And not only that, but doing you also do like life art as well. Like we're going to, you're going to paint me art. naked. Yes, I am. Yep. But like I will be naked and you will paint on me. Well, yes. I'm yeah. pleased you clarified that. But yes, you, yeah. will, you will be the one naked. I'm not naked. You will You'll be dressed. Be yeah, I'll be naked. be naked. Well, you can be naked too. Well, I suppose well, that's a new experience. Yeah. I've never done that well, before. <laughs> So how do I go from sales and corporate to art? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had been in corporate sales for mm, 18 years. Pretty much. Yeah. So I trained as an occupational therapist and I used art therapy and colour therapy then in paediatrics and forensic psych. Holy shit. Which was very cool, actually. Really cool. And that, but I decided, that was before I went into sales, and that I decided mm. that financially that wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. So I left that profession into the sales role mm. and progressively worked my way towards selling to for executive executive sales. So I had between uh, at the most seven and ten clients, really high spend, high pressure, really busy. Mm. Uh, and I had my first I've had I had I had three major burnouts, but the biggest one really, and I think it's the turning point for me, was when I was in my last sales role once we'd moved to Australia, which was like 14 years ago. Mm. Um, and I remember walking into the office one day, and I'm not a panic attack kind of girl, but I am highly strung. <laughs> I guess it kind of <laughs> makes sense. But I remember walking into the office, and as the doors opened, I I literally couldn't breathe, and I was like. Oh my God, I have, I've, I have to get out of here. Yeah. So uh, I quit, which is also not my personality. Wait, like then and there? I quit that day. What? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. And that's also, once again, not my personality, but no. I, just, I just had this overwhelming, mm. I guess, subconscious realisation that this was not where I needed to be. Mm. So as all really good girls do when they've just quit their jobs, is I went shopping for the day to, for the rest of the day to make myself feel better, which, you know, that's what we do. No money coming in, but hey, don't worry about that. Yeah, that's good. No problems. Hey, Mim, Maybe that's up? a tiny bit creative right there. I don't know. Yeah. But as we were, as I was leaving the mall, I walked past uh, an art store and I don't know where this thought came from, but clearer than anything in my life was, it just hit, hit my head was, I think I should take up painting. Wow. So I went into the art store and I bought up, oh, my God knows what. I don't know what I bought, but everything that I thought I needed. I mean, I've never been trained, so yeah. I had to start from scratch. So went home and then two and a half years solidly painted, mm. which was 
the first time I'd really, I feel like I'd really picked up a brush. And and one of the most, um, I guess, healing experiences and journeys of, of my life, two and a half years of me just focusing on me, which is the first time in my life that had ever happened. But more than that, it was about um, the whole creative process mm. always takes you on a journey and that can never be underestimated. And I think that's why it's used and couple that with colour, why it's used so much with therapy because it helps people to get outside of themselves and stop thinking. So did you... So... so Sorry, between high school and getting into the sales job, did you say you actually had done the occupational art? therapy? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you used painting to do that? I uh, used, yeah, drawing more wow. than painting. Yes. What did you find came out of that? It was actually a really awesome experience. And that was, oh, God, so many stories I could tell you about that one. I know. Okay, and I really so, want to come back to the shopping so, moment as well. Yeah, like, no, that's cool. There's that's so cool. much here. Yeah. So the. The art thing was really interesting and I my my love affair with colour started when I was doing OT because when we were training, I would come back to your question, you know, answer your question mm-hmm. a second, but when I was doing the training, um, we were told a story about an exercise that was done with children who had been blind from birth. So they obviously have no cognitive or conscious understanding of what colour looks like. Of course. Um, and they were about seven, seven or eight years old and I'd I wish I could remember who the people were who did it, which anyway, I can't. So what they did is they had these kids in different rooms so they couldn't hear each other. And they had silk scarves, so exactly the same fabric, but they'd all been dyed different colours. So one was red, one was green, one was yellow. You get the idea. They then progressively took these scarves and draped each scarves at different times on every single kitty. Now, every single child described blue in the same way, red in the same way, green in the same way. Now, remembering these are kids who can't see, yet they understood what that colour was by the way that they felt when it was on their skin. Mind-blowing, right? Wow. Yes. So I had to think about that, and that's when I was like, I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, that is just insanely cool. And I realised that colour colour is a real thing when it comes to therapy. Mm. Um, and as an artist, obviously, I use colour every day. So it's become my own therapy by accident. You don't, mm. I didn't think about it at the time. But, and then so, so scientifically, I thought, well, how is this possible? How does this work? And for those of you who are listening who are more scientifically brained, not like me, um, colour is light. Light, every light every light spectrum has a different vibration. Mm. So therefore colour also, every colour has a different vibration. So we feel those colours differently. Mm. So red, for example, we all know that that is, we've heard before that could be angry if you're unhappy or it could be, it's a really passionate, motivating colour. It's got a really um, deep kind of hardcore, strong vibration that we feel it so strongly, right? Whereas blue, blue always calms us down. We're just like, ah, it's like a sigh colour yeah. um, because of the way that, that vibrates. And, and that on the other side emotionally too, blue, for example, is very feminine in its energy, which is why it's so soft and nurturing, whereas red's very like, let's do this, action, motivating, so it's yeah, masculine energy. So anyway, that's yeah. how my love affair started. So when we started working as an OT, we would use colour to help calm particularly the kids calm kids down to help them to um because most of the kids I work with had diagnosis of ADHD so they were they were hyper enough I really didn't need them to be painting an orange or red or yellow (laughs) 
that just wasn't going to happen. That's what they uh, wanted to paint in because they are instantly drawn to that because it's like high vibration, bring yeah. it on. Oh, my God, let's do this. But yeah. no, nah, let's just chill out. Because mm. what I wanted to do was actually get them talking. Once again, get their minds calm, stop thinking, and just get and connect with themselves a lot more mm-hmm. so that we could just have a, a real chat. Uh, and that answer your question how did that work I found that incredibly useful so we had lots of seascapes or we had blue sky or blue trees I didn't care what they drew because it Mm. wasn't about the picture it was about the colors they were using and the expression to that's right and that creative process so they were Mm. using colors that were calming and they were going through a process that they weren't obviously consciously thinking about they were 10 or 11 years old Mm. but it was a process that helped them to completely relax as I said, connect themselves. And then the moment people do that is the moment they start opening up. And that's why I loved it so much. It's fascinating, actually, because I, as you were describing all of that, you threw me right back to this moment when I was a teenager. And um, so my beautiful birth mother, she has a mental illness. And when she was a nurse, because she was a nurse for a long time, which I look back on now and I'm like, I don't know about that. But um, she used to talk about um, wanting to start her own clinic one day, and this was before her really big breakdown, and all she wanted to do was help people with mental health problems, and she didn't even know she had her own mental health problems. And she would talk about wanting to create these rooms that were completely colour-centric and light-centric. So when you walked into them, let's say you were in a mad depression and struggling to unlock the sadness that was going on inside your head and inside your heart. She wanted to paint a room completely red and then put a bright white light in the top of it so that it goes from pink to red. red. And the idea was to take that person that was struggling with their depression and put them in that room and allow them the opportunity to pull that. Be immersed in the colour. Yeah, something like that. And then there were other rooms that would be completely blue for someone who was maybe losing it and completely uh, intense with passion or intense with rage they go into a blue room and it would subdue them. And then she wanted to do the same with green and um, orange and all these different colours that would help uh, people with mental health issues on the opposite spectrum. Yep. So if you had someone with bipolar, you would allow them that opportunity to swap and change. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was one of the most brilliant things I'd ever heard a person say. And then no joke, a year later she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and she was, so I wonder if anyone's ever set that up. That would be amazing. I know. Wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah. And I, to this day I've, I've always wondered whether or not there was something behind that and just hearing you talk about it, I was like, oh, there well, so color, is. There has to be something color behind color and therapy. Color has been used for, for so many, like years yeah. and years and years. I think, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it was like the late 1800s when it was discovered that color, mm. there was something in this color thing. And then, mm. of course, um, as it's gone on and people have used it more, it's become a, a real thing. Mm. Um, and I think as, a, as an artist, as I said before, I'm surrounded by color every day and I use color every day. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love painting so much custom work or for people because I... I really need to get in. I, I need to get inside people's heads. So mm. I, the more I can connect with them and who they are and what they need, even though they may not even realize what they need, then that allows me to paint something that will help to elicit whatever emotions or responses they want. Mm. And on a, you know, so that's on a, an emotive level, but on a, a more practical level, also we can really revolutionize and recreate a space that that is devoid sometimes of feeling and energy. 
and turn it into something that is just so engaging and people want to be in it. Like we did a an install last night mm -hmm. into a brand new office. So they had no artwork. It was brand new. So and as per most corporate offices, it was white walls and a charcoal or grey carpet. Mm -hmm. Kind of similar to what's going on here. I kind of love that because I know I can walk in and just change that up so much. So we did a series of, of four pieces, each one with different colour tones. So I broke it down into your reds, oranges and green, uh, reds, oranges and yellows, blue, greens and then pinks and purples so wow. and then we position them in different or obviously across throughout yeah. the office the moment we even put the first one up their response was like oh my god like this is insane it has totally they felt that it improved this felt the space felt bigger yeah. it felt happier more energetic by the time we would put all of them on they were blown away rang them this morning and they're like oh it feels like this liberty forever and they they want to be part of that office they want to be there it's great so it's it, it makes a massive difference I, I completely agree with you and it's it's something that Matt and I were actually talking about on our way here today. Um, I was trying to describe to him who you are in my life and what kind of friend you are in my life. Yeah. Because we have very similar stories and yet so many differences, obviously, like so many people in this world. But I was saying to Matt, I was like, you are just a, like a very powerful energy to be around. And I, and I say yeah, that with, you. yeah, with serious admiration, like a very powerful energy to be around. And I I was trying to work out why I was saying to him, like, I have to be friends with her because she's got this. <laughs> have to be this, friends with yeah, her. God. Like, I can't not because, you you know, a lot, I think a lot of women would be intimidated by it, I you know, because. It, before. Yeah. And, I, and Matt was saying, I think a lot of women are probably feeling the same way about you. And I was like, mm, okay, I hope not. Um, but I, I, I know that feeling so well when you walk into a room and you want to be friends with the other women in the room and they, they just look at you like fuck off and die and you're like oh okay we're okay so we're not hanging so we're out we're not later. hanging out <laughs> okay i'll go talk to these guys <laughs> yeah, exactly. i'm gonna so go get a profiteral this role. isn't gonna be a happening thing <laughs> okay i swear to god i don't want to fuck your husband <laughs> i really don't <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> sometimes uh, <laughs> no um but it's like i i want to break past that Thing that we're taught as young women to not be friends with other women who are powerful you know I want to break outside of that which is why I make myself every day be friends with women like yourself who are very powerful and as you're speaking right now I'm having this epic realization that your power comes from you refuse to give in to fear you refuse I have my moments but you are right yeah. at the end of the day yeah but I want to touch on something you just said then too that you know mm. you wanted to make sure that you know, you're not going to, you don't want people to buy into that what we've taught about not being, and not, mm. not helping other women up and yes. holding other women up. I think one of the inherent problems that we have is that I believe that comes from a place of fear yes. and it comes from a place or a lack of self-worth. Mm. And totally. until such time as that we can eradicate that part of what, part of the culture that has created that, mm. then we've got a massive issue. So women mm. do have a tendency to be uh, intimidated by people they perceive to be powerful, mm. which I think is interesting because I've always like, well, this is me. What you see is what you get. I am no different. Mm. But that in itself can be perceived as being something that people can't reach or they can't get, right? Yeah. Um, so until such time is that we can find a way to minimise the the 
I guess, emotive oppression, I guess, we have. And to, mm. like women are meant to be, we're brought up, women are soft and nurturing and gentle and lovely. And we are, but we're also damn determined, mm-hmm. really positive, confident. We can put our mind to do whatever we want to do. Mm. And those traits should also be reinforced. Well, and I funny. think it's changing, but, you know, I don't have kids, so how would I really know? But that's, I think, part of the problem. I sometimes think that that fierceness that you're talking about also comes from our nurturing side you know what I mean like I I look at I look at life like a constant catch-22 you know everything that's a everything is a positive and everything is a negative that whole you know equal and opposite reaction whatever it is by science read a textbook I don't care anyway um but it's like I I look at those positive things in our DNA as women you know like our want to nurture and care and which is amazing be emotive but at the same time we feel things so strongly that that's actually our biggest that's our biggest draw card and to have someone make that weaker by saying, oh, it's, you know, she's emotional or. Oh, Don't stand out in the crowd too much. Yeah. Oh, my God, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can. If, yeah, you you wanna, can. if you want to wear a pink tutu when you're 15 years old, then go nuts. Like, wear whatever. that tutu, bro. Like, get into <laughs> it. Just get it. I Put know. some sparkles in there. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Or if you want to wear, you know what, if you want to wear a trucker's T-shirt and then put on a pair of crisscross highlighter shorts oh, like you beautiful. do I know I can picture it now you, you've got that in your wardrobe that's <laughs> why yeah you wore, <laughs> you wore that yesterday <laughs> didn't you I actually do have a I man totally shirt that's it. got like I a truck so on the front and a pair of like hot pink pants I want to see that on insta please <laughs> okay yeah. I'll see what I can do I don't know if I can fit in those pants at the moment I've had too much <laughs> cake lately but um I think the other but, side of that too you're <clears> right I think you're, we, mm. we always have opposites and, and equals yeah. yeah whatever it is yeah but um I think the other thing too is uh and I don't quite I actually don't know I don't think people realize how strong they are until yeah. you have been through adversity yeah and most very confident positive and determined women I know have had some form of challenge as you said earlier we all have but we have a choice at those moments to go, mm. this is going to destroy me or this is go- yeah. I'm going to go, hell no, it might destroy me for a little while and that's fully okay because that means that you're processing it. Mm-hmm. But then you've just got to put your big girl pants up and just, and get just freaking it. get on with it. Yeah. and I, th- I believe. Oh, I yeah, I completely agree with you. I think if you don't have Not those- the easiest, but it's no. essential. And it's funny because sometimes um, surrendering to that, feeling of absolute mind-blowing depression and trusting that you're going to come out the other side is harder way harder than when you're in the thick of it and you're just continuing to move forward but you have to trust it completely yeah and that's the key yeah and I think that is something that can take a long time to realize or to get to that point like we Mm. we can we can be in a point of of sadness or you know anxiety or we're like oh my god this sucks this really sucks yeah and then force ourselves to move forward but inside we still haven't really let go and I I know that you know that too Mm. and we haven't let go because we don't fully trust ourselves or we don't fully trust that it's going to change yeah so until such you can keep going and going and going for a while Mm -hmm. and then it'll always come back and bite you in the ass if you Mm. haven't dealt with it that moment you were talking about before um where you were working full-time in the corporate world and you decided to go out shopping that day and then you bought all that art. Um, art stuff. Yeah, yeah. the art stuff. Yep. I have recently been listening to a lot of Joe Dispenza stuff, That uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's like, I don't know, he's he blows my mind, that guy. <gasps> and uh, he talks about living in the unknown 
yeah, and the cool. only way to live in the unknown is to accept the fact that all oh, these I like have, that. yeah it's very cool it's very you actually he's, he's got a lot of your kind of life teachings but you're just already doing it <laughs> so, <laughs> so his point is his pointless for you <laughs> so his his whole thing is like teaching your mind to ignore habitual nature for example um if i drive to work today uh i'm going to take this route like let's say for example in queensland most people take the gold coast highway they know it really well they know where all the traffic lights are they get to work they go to work it's all mundane and they live in this unconscious reality they get back in their car they drive back probably the same way that's kind get of called home. the matrix yeah and yeah. you do it over and over and over again and he yeah. calls that people living in the um like living con- uh, unconsciously because they think that oh it's different every day but in actual fact so you're doing not. the same thing over and over again and what's worse is that drive to work on its own is actually different every day. You're never going to stop at the same set of traffic lights every day. Yeah. You're never going to see the same people on the street. It's never going to be the same temperature outside ever again the way it was yesterday. Yeah. Every single day is completely different. And but you're living it. it. Yeah, everyone misses yeah. it. But you're yeah. living it as if it's exactly the same. And it's like in that moment when you walked out of that office and you went, no, I'm not doing this anymore and you quit, you decided to go, go completely conscious yeah, I did. You decided actually. I'm going to live consciously. I'm not going to do this anymore. And it was actually a, initially it was a totally subconscious decision, mm. but very quickly you're right. It became a this is me, and I and I need to I need to uh, embrace every single component of who mm. I am. That's what the decision was, mm. and it still took a while, but I did. It's exactly scary, it isn't it? When you first start doing it, you're like. Ugh! But then you're like, no, nah. it feels so good at the same and time. And it goes like this. It goes in waves, yeah. I reckon. I mean, like sometimes you're like, hell yeah, I'm all over this. Mm. And then other times you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? And I don't yes. like me and I'm in the, in the depths of despair and the world <laughs> sucks. And oh. I'm not going through that at all right no, now. No, I can't. I, I can see ah. that. And then, you, but then you get better again because, because what yeah. people always say, and I don't actually like the saying, but I get why they use it, like the whole peeling an onion thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, whatever. The onion gets smaller and smaller. You've got to get to point where it's freaking gone right yeah true but I, I think so as but I think the point being is that we all the, things will still continue to be thrown at us mm. but as I said to someone a couple of weeks ago and I was doing a, a keynote presentation we 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 can choose in any second of the day how we are going to react the situation is going to be there the only difference is how we choose to react to it. And that includes when we're going through a roller coaster moments. Like, mm. okay, I can I have my moments. I can sit here in the depths of despair. But then I'm like, okay, great, had a cry, move on. Yeah. Because it's just a moment. And the moment passes every single second. Yeah. So and every second is brand new. So let's just embrace that. Mm. I was reading something this morning and talked, I can't remember the whole quote talking about pessimism and optimism. Mm. Oh, something like a pessimist see the challenges, the difficulties, and every opportunity. Optimism or optimists see the um, the joy or the, the you know the challenge or the, the the fun, I guess, in every difficulty. It's like what one would we rather be? I know that I would rather be someone who goes, oh my god, check that out. I like that. Yeah. Well, this is really tough right now. How the hell am I going to get around it? Might be tough. We've got X, Y, and Z that we can look at. So let's investigate that option. Mm. I'm literally living in the unknown at the moment and it is freaking me out yep. so hard. Like part of the reason I was excited to come over is because I was like, I need to tell Tracy what's going on. <laughs> but, but in the unknown, though, there is always one constant. 
That's true. And that's you. And you're, you know, you, you can rely on you. Mm. And the unknown is just a matter of making a decision to throw yourself into a space you're not familiar with. But there's always things there that if you look hard enough, there's always things that can ground you and bring you back to what you need to move forward. Time for a quick break and for you to hear about the products that One Together gets behind. All right, drinking alcohol is a pastime in Australia that you just can't get away from. All right, it happens over here. In fact, it's a big cultural thing the world over. But if you're anything like me and you cannot drink very often or you like to be mindful of the effects that it has on your body, but you also don't mind the odd wine or sundowner as well, do I have the gift for you? I actually do. It's called Body Armor and it's actually this really smart drink that was developed by a team of dudes that wanted to protect their liver when they were drinking alcohol, right? So it actually helps with the effects of hangovers, which is awesome. It means that you can actually get up and get into the day if you've maybe gotten a little bit too frazzled the night before. But also it's recognized by the TGA over here, which means it's categorized as a medicine. And that, my friends, is really difficult to do. Even pregnant women drink it for nausea. So it's this really boss stuff and it will help you out a lot. It really protects your liver and all of the good things that you need it to do when your body isn't doing good. So you can get it on their website. That's bodyarmor.com.au or you can get it on their socials, bodyarmor.au. That's A-R-M-O-U-R because they wanted to keep you in the mix. Get it? Yeah, because they thought of you when they made it. That's a little joke I added in for you. Thanks for staying with us. Everything we endorse is fully backed and loved by the team at One Together. We do our research on every company or product to make sure it's either healthy-minded or it will serve to give back to the community or even the environment in some way. So let's get back to that discussion. What would you say to the person who feels like they can't rely on themselves? For example, um, I don't know, like years ago I experienced for the first time what it was like to feel so crazy sad that I was terrified I wasn't going to come out the other side. Yeah. You know, we're talking about having that trust in yourself that you're going to feel it and you can come back from that. I didn't know if I was going to come back from that. And I had to relearn a lot of things about how to work on my own mental health, you know, like everyone does at certain points in their life. Yeah. But what would you say to that person right now who's potentially on their morning jog listening to you talk and thinking, but I can't rely on myself? I'm not a constant. Look for the look for the one thing. There is one thing that they will think they're okay at. It could be that they like their eyes. It could. I mean, I'm, I'm breaking that right down. Yeah. Look for the one thing that you know that you like or that you can you can see and, and trust because it's always there. Mm. Yeah. I remember, like you. I mean, I, I remember going through this process where I and I was standing in front of a mirror. There's the the healer guy that I was I was seeing at the time made me made me do this exercise, which was I had to stand in front of a mirror. And have you guys heard of muscle testing? No. So with muscle testing, what they do, like I got me put my arms out, and muscle testing is if you are if you are telling the truth, you're being truthful to was yourself. That, that army arm thing yeah, where yeah, they push your arm down. down. So they push oh. your arm, and if you're being truthful, it stays. Yeah. If you're not. It it'll, it'll move because you yeah because you just don't ha- you, don't you don't have, have the conscious the ability to nothing nothing yeah. so you lose your strength your physical mm-hmm. strength so I had my arms out to my side looking in the mirror and he said to me um, say the look at yourself and say these words I love who I am I couldn't do it I couldn't do it he tried three times 
That's and a motherfucker. Arms, <laughs> I know, right? My arms <laughs> dropped every time. Yeah. And that was another massive realisation and beginning for me that I had to find a way to see the beauty in myself therefore that creates and starts to build the trust and the fact that you can get through so there will be something in every one of us no matter how low we are that we can rely on because mm-hmm. it's always there it could be our our strength it could be as i said it could be something physical it could even be some fluffy slippers i don't care what it is but there'll be slippers. so I, but there'll be something <laughs> in your world that is always there and that gives you the beginning of the strength to one just be calm about it and be nice to yourself and then two start to move forward because things will take time Mm. there's no easy way unfortunately don't hope for that doesn't make people unhappy but the reality is there's no easy way and in part because I think we self-sabotage as we go because it's too scary yeah so we I, I still have moments now, even at, but it'd be business more than personal, I guess, but I self-sabotage because I'm like, oh, Me too. you have to just get on with it. Yeah. Find a way to, I don't mean that glibly, I mean to, to release that and not like you can hear it but not own it. Don't mm. emotionally own it, just let it go and then move yeah. on. Yeah. It's definitely a process that can take a long time and it's funny, mm-hmm. like there is no, there is no quick fix to your mental health oh, not and as a all. result there is no quick fix to There's your no physical quick health fix to life no no definitely not no it takes time and it takes a lot of energy and, and and for some people it may be you know x amount it might be a year for other people it mm. might be 10 years and there's nothing wrong with that either and i think mm. as long as you are continually moving mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be forward and other times it might be a little bit backwards but you'll still keep growing then it's all good You've done art for the likes of some pretty big people now, especially mm-hmm. having painted for like the Oscars and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I think would look at your circumstance and think, yeah, but it's it, it's so easy now, you know, like <laughs> this is a myth that I've so been trying sure. to bust. Yeah, for, with so many, um, especially women in business, I've been trying to really bust this myth that, oh, but she's made it now because she's got this or it must yeah, just be a roll-on effect. Yeah, this whole you've made it, you've made it. Overnight success. It doesn't exist. No, it does not. Yeah. So for you to get to where you are today, where you've you've done art for Emma Watson, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. You've and Hugh was it Hugh Jackman? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. Um, um. Oh my God. One or two people. Yeah. We had a hundred people who received information and art about me. That's right. Um, and there was um, from the Golden Globes. There was. Did we talk a, about Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim uh, Jim Carrey actually didn't receive any art, but he reached out, which was really awesome. I fucking love him. I love his Jesus art at the moment. He's, he's, his a, he's a very stuff. deep soul, is oh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. So I'm kind of intrigued by him. Some of his yeah. work, I'm like, wow, but that in itself is good because, it, you know, from an artist's perspective, our, we've done our job when someone feels something from what we've created, whether you like it or hate it, mm. you're still feeling something. Yeah. So I feel that he has the ability to do that with his artwork. 100%. As much as he did when he was acting yeah so he's reached out to you mm-hmm. and then there's other like there's other very well-known people which I the thing I love most about you is you've just taken it in your stride you're like I oh, am yeah, just a person like it's a human people yeah, are humans. people people are yeah people. I have my, I still have a moment like oh my god, oh my god yeah. this, this 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 celebrity is I know you do it every time I come oh. over and I'm like calm down <laughs> <laughs> I had my moment of like oh bowing down to you and it's like oh no no it's Heather, it's Heather. 
I poop. Oh, I'm just a I'm human. I'm just a normal no. person. <laughs> so not that arrogant. Um, uh, well, I don't tell anyone I am anyway. Um, <laughs> Those of us in the know, however. <laughs> Shh. They don't know that. Um, but, yeah, it's like there's this weird theory out there that, like, because you've made it now, somehow life is easier or something or it's somehow better. But it's like, you know, so many of the women in business that we've interviewed now and that you've heard stories from, it's becoming clearer and clearer that it doesn't matter what level you get to in business or in life or in your relationship or whatever, there is always going it's to always be something. challenges. So would you mind sharing from a really honest place what is one of the biggest challenges you faced? And I'm not talking just business-wise, I'm talking life-wise that you were like, because I know a lot of them, but I want to know from so, you. What is so you? many. Yeah. So is <laughs> Wayne having a moment My over husband's there? going, it was me, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> so not true, darling, so yeah. not true. Oh, my God, where do I start? Yeah. Um, and obviously you're welcome to share as little or yeah, as yeah. much as you want. I think Australia and New Zealand is really good, I would say that in inverted commas, at tall poppy syndrome. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I we moved to Australia, we kind of giggled at people going, oh, it's so bad here. People just it's like really drag you down. I'm like, yeah, try growing up in small town New Zealand. It's Maybe it's as bad over here in small towns. I don't know. But I think one of my long-standing biggest challenges um, as a kid was um, realizing early on, and this this was a conscious thought, you know, as much as a six-year-old or five-year-old kid can have a conscious thought, that I was perhaps just a smidgen different, mm-hmm. and I really liked to be the energetic full-on person and I knew what you said before is like I do have high energy and people love my energy and yeah. I walk into a room and people like oh yeah. my god I want to I, I, for whatever reason I want to talk to her or whatever it might be but for some I learned through, and I can't tell you exactly how this was but I learned very quickly that that needed to be suppressed mm-hmm. so my entire and this is not a sad or a negative thing I guess but it just it's a it's a realization of what our culture is mm-hmm. um suppressing yourself like that creates this massive disconnect between who we inherently truly are and how we actually live and therefore what we start to think about ourselves so I remember even like at the age of 10 I was um I I set a maths test and I got 76 percent which is a pass and I remember in tears talking to my teacher going oh my god how could I be so bad I failed this is the worst thing ever I'm so sorry I'll do better next time now that's ridiculous I got 76 percent some people would kill for that right yeah but if I didn't get an A if I wasn't a 92 or 90 percent up I I failed and I feel like I've been thinking this a lot where did that come from Mm. and I feel like that came from the fact that I felt like I had to prove that I was okay to myself and to everybody else and that has come from I think the suppression the 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 fact that I felt that I had to suppress who I was Mm. Um, did you find yourself being that uh, vivacious person only around certain people like you knew hardly very very few yeah there were few few. few and far between when you were a kid and you'd find 
you'd find that person and you just you would latch onto them. Mm. You would, and when you were around them, you gave them everything. And I had very you're few. You're right. I was a total mm. nerd. Very few friends, and I was mm. very insular and I think that's part of it and my my personality came through when I did things like debating I know right I loved debating and I won a debating contest when I was like I don't know 13 and I talked for 15 minutes it was a was a regional contest about Mm -hmm. um women's underwear and the differences of women's underwear and how people feel when they wear it I'm like oh my god done point being is there was times when I was on stage or I was doing something because it could be external of myself and I feel like that's when the real person, the real me come through. So one of the first big challenges in my life was, and this that was ongoing right through until I would say probably in my early 30s, late Mm -hmm. 20s, early 30s, was that. And that created a myriad more challenges, Um, including being bulimic when I was 15 started being bulimic when I was Were 15. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I, I I blamed for a long time the modeling world, but it's really not. It was my mindset that was the issue, not right. them. So I was I got into the top 10 in the country. I was like, oh my God, this, I want to be a model. It was one of the other things I wanted to do. One of the many brain surgeon to model, go figure. I mean, hello, <laughs> so Natalie similar, Portman. So similar, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so similar. Anyway, you've got really pretty brains. Uh-huh. You're just there, like you're sewing it up. I love the color right now. It's so amazing. I love your cranium. It's like well fitted. Exactly. Keep going. <laughs> so yeah, so I got into the top, top ten, and and uh, they sent back a letter to say that I needed to lose a little bit of weight, mm, and. Yeah. Straight away, I didn't focus on the fact that I got into the top 10 in the Mm -hmm. country. I focused on the fact that I needed to lose weight. Because you were outside the norm. Because I was outside and Mm -hmm. I was scared. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, here I was being a little bit afraid to shine, I was potentially about to shine. So we talked about self-sabotage. That's exactly what I did. So I guess that's one of the big challenges of my life, not so much now, but definitely Mm. was to the moment things got to the point where I'd be like, ooh, the real Tracy's about to be exposed mm. is the moment that I fully freaked. Right. And there's been lots and lots of um, experiences in my life that reinforced that belief. Mm. And that's once again partly uh, it's hugely mindset. It's a negative belief that I allowed to take root and held onto it so dearly mm. that I wouldn't let it go. Don't you love how we look for it's it? Ridic- and we like, did, I did it. Psychologically, we look for it. We look for the reinforcement that the way we think is accurate. accurate. So we look for it again and again and over we invite and those shitty people into our lives again and again. Yep. My favourite thing learning in the last two years, I have to add this in there, was um, that I wasn't just picking narcissistic boyfriends. Matt's amazing, by the way. He's a good <laughs> I was going to say, go Matt. <laughs> but prior to Matt, no joke, every guy I'd ever dated was a narcissistic asshole or he had some kind of drug problem or alcohol problem or emotional inability to relate kind of problem, whatever it was. And I thought, oh, it's only with the boyfriends. So I managed to do a lot of therapy to avoid putting that into my life anymore and the way to do it was to acknowledge I'm going to do this again Mm. so that I Mm. could not do it again so you became very consciously very conscious of the choice which is how I met Matt and And I was like he's a good egg and then you won't all of a sudden you won't accept that behavior and you certainly won't accept the belief pattern exactly so imagine my surprise when I realized it's in my work life Mm -hmm. it's in my friendships it's in my family life fully toxic everywhere and I was like wow I am literally picking people 
that treat me like shit because it reinforces, it reinforces what you the belief. Yeah, that I'm yeah. not good enough or that I'm a terrible person or I don't fit in here or I'm not What's wanted. What's wrong or, with me? Yeah, there's something wrong with me or I'm talking too much or whatever it is. I am talking too much now, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it was quite an epic realisation that had occurred from and it was all from focusing in on this one moment I will do this again. Well, what blows my mind is that, and I, and I say this from a, even from a creative perspective, when we're kids, think about kids, right? Our mm. world is shaped moment by moment by moment and the whole, our entire existence is mm. massively about play and exploration. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Now, to be constantly living outside of the norm because they don't have a norm, no, right? they have a norm. They're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just being. Yeah. But to be in that space means what? no expectation, no judgment, and total trust. You are fully in your zone Mm 24-7. And what blows my mind is that the older we get, and very quickly, and this includes negative beliefs, right? The point being is that we, we... we, we are so positive when we're kids. Mm-hmm. Life is for living. Life is amazeballs, right? It's what it it's is. It's lovely. It's so cool. It's a sunny day. Every day. On the beach. We might have our grumpy days, but mm-hmm. we get over them pretty fast and then you move on. Yeah. But the older we get, the more through societal expectations, family, friends, and once again, not intentional, it just it's outside influences, the more that those those negative belief systems start to take root Mm. and then like you say experiences happen you go oh why is life so hard what Mm. about this and next thing you know that happy little kid who was just loving life Mm. is gone but here's the kicker they're really not and I said before my two and a half years of painting was one of the most enlightening experiences for me during my life was because that kid came back Mm. creativity and for me, and colour, allows us to play. Entrepreneurship, it doesn't matter whether business or creative or, or art, whatever it might be, for us to step outside of what we know means we have to be prepared to play, mm-hmm. to give it a go. Some people may say to take a risk. I much prefer the word play, thanks very much, because taking a risk sounds scary. Playing sounds fun. Oh, so man. from a mindset perspective, like, <laughs> sorry. No, I really like that. I'm like, wow, I need to go back to my vision board in Sydney and change a lot of wording. I don't take, <laughs> I, I don't take risks. I look for new experiences. I'm experiencing something different. I'm play. playing. There's a really great analogy of that actually just to add in there. Um, I can't remember who talks about this. It's either an Anthony Robbins or one of those really intense guys. It's like, you're enough. And they like yell it at you and you're like, wow. Okay, <laughs> sure. Like, Sorry. I'm scared now. Yes, yes I, I feel a lot of love. <laughs> Please stop yelling at me, Mr. Robbins. Um, I do love him, by the way. But he talks about um, getting in the game and it's like, you can treat life as a spectator sport or you well, can you treat it, it as if you're actually playing the game yourself and you're playing the game to win. And Every it's like, time. Yeah. And, if and, you, when, and whatever that means for you. Yeah. Yeah. Win doesn't have to mean like being the most successful no. or making it, which is the shittest term in the world. Being most financially successful, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever it's whatever it means to you. Like um, one of the guys that uh, is now a very close friend as well that I'm getting on the podcast too, he is just a regular dude who works for the council and his goal in life is just to be the best dad he can be and raise the most amazing kids ever. And he does. He's got three wonderful children. He's got an amazing wife. And he's very happy. He's so happy and he's just the nut. Like to be around him, he's just such a joy. Yeah. And it's like his that's his goal. But you've hit it. And he's got to work at it every day. You've hit it right there though. 
He's joy is the thing that we all chase. Mm. And people I think mistake joy for success. Yes. Or success for joy, whatever. No, joy for success. Yes. So they strive to be successful, where in actuality what we're really striving for is to be so truly connected with ourselves and the people around us mm. that we are living in a state of joy and therefore life is awesome. Yeah. That's the tough bit. Mm. So all of that other stuff we're talking about, all of those the, the negative crap that gets put into us pulls us away from our joy mm. and if your joy is to when my husband's like flying helicopters then bring it on fly a <laughs> helicopter why not do you mean the model ones because they're awesome both. by the way they're so cool i have to show you those later they're both wayne's got an entire collection which he's made from mo- scratch yeah model helicopters and they fly yeah so and so it's a bit when he's in his zone doing that yeah. it's a joyous experience mm. right so even though we can't do not everyone can do what they love all of the time there's got to be something joyous in what you're doing otherwise mm. what's the point and it comes down to like that guy he knew he knows his why he knows why he want, what he wants to do and why he wants to do it mm. so he's constantly living life joyously love that yeah and the moment we forget about that is that's when we get grumpy unhappy yeah we fall back into our pain body, which is really just a state of mind. Really but I was thinking about something you said before too about mm-hmm. that, which is um, what would you say to people to help them to move on, move forward? And I said find the one thing that they can rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's stability. Now, as a person who was petrified of the word stability, now it's something that I I crave. Why were you, you and I had similar fears around stability because I feel like we've both lived very nomadic lives as kids. Yeah, like, we have. We yeah, have. We, like we moved over 16 times before I was even 12. That doesn't include we, living we, on the street and in cars. We were 12 times. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. You, you get me. And it's, you start to become addicted to that. Well, you, it becomes your norm. Yeah. So stability, you're right. Stability for me was this like static, staid, mundane routine life that meant that I was squash people like us squashing who we were and squashing energetically is like you can feel the clamps come down it's like oh my god I can't handle yeah so I ran as far away from stability every second I got yeah as far away until I met Wayne yeah and and I was not even a believer in marriage didn't wasn't interested didn't need it wasn't gonna oh wasn't gonna go there <laughs> don't worry just my chest clicking too much yoga and um <laughs> um and then I met Wayne and three weeks after I met him I knew that I would marry him wow and that sounds crazy coming from me yeah. but it was true and one of the things that Wayne helped me to see and to give me was a sense of stability isn't it amazing and, and that's feeling? Awesome. It is because from that place yeah. you can grow so much. So yeah. the people who the person who's running listening to the podcast right now find some the, the thing that gives you that sense of stability because yeah. that gives you something to anchor down to, hold mm. on to and then shine. Yeah. And it's it's quite an incredible feeling finding a partner in crime or your partner in life, male or female or anything Even in between. Be a friend. Try not to pick an animal. Do what you can. <laughs> Definitely um, try not to pick an animal. <laughs> well, if they say yes, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you are so wrong. So no, I'm clearly joking. Uh, uh-huh, I'm so uh-huh. going to get an email from RSPCA now. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it's Matt and I had a similar experience because, you know, I was just so used to having, okay, the best way to describe it on my end was, like, 
I dated a guy for five years. We were together for five years. And when we moved in together, I had to basically convince him every step of the way, you know, like he couldn't even say he loved me. I had to like coax it out of him. And I was like, what is, this is so weird. This is so backwards. Why can't you just say it? Like, I know you feel it. It's there. Like you look at me like you do. And I'd say to him, do you, are you in love with me? And he go, yeah. And I'm like, so why can't you say it? And he's like, nah, 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 we, uh, it's okay. Way too scary for him. Yeah. And then we like walked down the street and he couldn't even hold my hand. It was so weird. And then like we ended up living together because we'd been together for like a year or so or a bit more than that. And I was like, we are wasting rent money. Like let's just, just, do this. let's just do it. Like we're clearly together. Like let's just live together. And we got like a second room just to be safe, you know. And no joke, like as soon as we moved in together, I just suddenly felt the walls closing in. No joke, I could see them moving. Mm. It freaked me out so hard. And the weird thing was I was the one who designed it. Yeah, I designed, but you also ran from it Yeah, it freaked you out. it totally freaked me out and I wasn't ready. And I look back on that time and I realised he wasn't saying it not because he didn't feel it or because. Because you weren't ready for it. Yeah, he knew I couldn't hear it. Yeah. He didn't want to move in because so he how, knew that I couldn't do it. very insightful man is he then, right? Yeah, and it's it's quite a fascinating moment. But then I also look at that and I'm like, I'm so glad that it didn't work out because Matt is my person and I see that now. Like I look back on so many relationships and I'm like, oh, yeah, all those moments where I was like, this isn't but right. But you know why, I know and why. Part why he's your person and Wayne's mine is because we've gotten to our, the point personally that we're open and ready for it. Yeah. Okay, you get what Mind you expect. You get what you accept. Like, so yeah, if you think you ex- if you are only worthy of X, you're only going to get X. Mm. The moment you actually become self-aware enough to go no this is who I am Mm. and I actually kind of need this is the moment they show up and until then it will never be quite right so it's actually not about the external person it's all about you darling it's always about you always about you yeah so selfish and lovely I know right (laughs) but how can we and I, I, I I've been told I was told for years and years that I was a very selfish person I don't believe that at all no but I'm someone who's become very um, self-aware and determined to live the life that I want and in Mm. my own way. Yeah, that's really important. So different. So it's not selfish. It's about going, oh, I'm going to swear. Fuck yeah. This is me. I deserve this. And I'm going to do everything that I can Mm. to make my life as awesome as it can. Mm. Because we all deserve that. Yeah. Even as you say that, you become a kid. Yes. You become very childlike in your presentation of because that. Because like it's my awesomeness. <laughs> awesome, awesome is like the coolest word ever. Yeah, it's a good one. Like rad. Yeah, rad goes down well. Yeah, well, Sorry. you're probably right there. Awesome, awesome, awesomeness, awesomest. Like it's just yeah. a cool word. Yeah, you're right. It shits on rad. It does, man. Rad, get out of here. That's why you like me. No one even likes you, rad. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I guess like. The only other stuff that I kind of felt like a lot of women need to hear from you and men as well, I think a very important message from you is this feeling that you haven't fully lived your life unless you have children. <laughs> and currently Matt and I, we've, we've tried to explain our circumstance to a few people now and all they hear is we're trying to have a baby. They don't hear the full sentence. (laughs) So what we try to communicate is, and I'm actually starting a podcast about this as well, 
is the first 12 weeks of pregnancy or even before you decide to have a kid, all that stuff, it's so taboo and it's so something you can't talk about, but yet there seems to be some weird expectation, again, that you've made it if you have kids. There's something to, so something around fertility, yeah, <laughs> fertility and being able to have kids. As and a woman, sort of I stuff. guess. Yeah, it's, it's a but, really big deal. But that's part of our, our, our cultural upbringing too. Like, mm. let's be honest, we are born with the parts to have babies and the whole future of the human race depends on us having children. Well, my theory in life is this, we're not all meant to be breeders. Mm-hmm. And I'm so definitely not someone who was, um, and you know, we can't, I can't all be heifers. We can't all be <laughs> So That was you, not me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Love it. Anywho. Um, <laughs> what? They breed. Keep going. They do breed. Uh, one of the saddest things for me is to see couples lose themselves women lose themselves and couples lose what they have because their entire focus becomes having children and I get for for some women particularly it's a lot there's a very strong pull to do that Mm -hmm. and for some of us less so Um, when I you know I had this when I had my hysterectomy when I was 28 um, they put me through two years or two and a half years of counseling because I was so young Um, which was horrible because the reason I had to have it was physically and health related anyway. So it's like, really, we're going to drag this out just to make sure that my mind is okay. Just get that shit out. Like just get it Because it was your choice, right? Like you. No. Oh, okay. No. So I had, um, I had a problem. My uterine lining was shedding every day. So I couldn't, and I would be lucky to get pregnant anyway. And, um, one side was completely blocked. So the chances of me falling pregnant was really slim. Was it from endometriosis or something? No, they don't know why. It was just bullshit. They don't know why. Still... Yeah, it was just there. I know why. Oh. Um, and we said before about physically we have challenges based on our emotional issues. Well, the ovaries so. are the most creative place of the entire body yeah. and that's the same with all human beings. Your genitals are your most creative And experiences source. that haven't been so flash also yeah. led to that too. Yeah. So all of those things together, you look back and go, yeah, probably that's sense. why it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, but, but we got, I remember being told that was that we had, to, in my head, I had cervical cancer issues as well. Right. So we're kind of like, you know what, you just got to take that stuff out. Like, it's just not good for me being in there. Let's just get that gone. Yeah. Um, so I got told, that's it, we're doing this. So I sat Wayne down. We'd been together for four months. Mm-hmm. Took him to the botanical gardens in Dunedin, sat outside, nice, calm place. <laughs> Gave him a shot. Tracy, yeah, pretty much. Tracy <laughs> moment. I'm like, so here's the thing. I think I'm in love with you. Totally was. I think I'm in love with you, but I can't have children. So if you want children, you need to fuck off now. <laughs> Is that how you worded it? That's how I worded did it. Did she say it exactly like that, way? Yes, I did. <laughs> There's a thumbs up. And all he turned around is he just looked at me and he's like, no, I'm good. Wow. Which I was amazing. It was awesome. But the yeah. point of this is what I, I had my moment. The moment that I was told that we everything was being taken out, it's like I could not have children was the moment I was like, oh, my God, I can't have babies. It was like a day, mm. maybe two, because the personality was like, well, just get on with it, you know. This is your this is your bit. This is what you have to deal with. Just move on. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, I could either let it destroy me or I just go, no, accept it and move. So I did. So as I said, now seeing people who spend their life desperately trying, trying to it. have babies yeah. saddens me so much with their, if, if it's at the point where 
for whatever reason, that's not something that is going to happen for you, Mm. then it's okay. Life carries on. And what I'm actually really grateful for is it's given me time to grow up, to get to know myself. Mm -hmm. And it's given, given Wayne and myself an amazing amount of time together. And we are solid, like people comment on how solid we are. And I think that's because we, we nurture each other and we give to each other. Whereas when you you don't have necessarily the same time mm. to do that when you have children, I would imagine. And the earth is already so overpopulated. Like there's plenty to pick from. There's one or two. And trust me, kids need a community can love, in order to get and raised. You can, they, they do. And you yeah. can love you can love someone else's child as much as I'm sure you could love your own. Mm. It's, it's, it's adoption, so. Yeah, exactly. And once again, I'm saying that from a place of not having had my own child. Mm. But like you, we, we also got some interesting pressure when mm. we'd be together for four months and this was going to happen, I was like, maybe you should just try and get pregnant. No, we've only been together for four months. We're not going to try and get pregnant. It would be like the worst thing that we could have tried yeah. to do. Would have really um, we would, broke, it could have potentially broken the foundation of what you guys fully, were creating. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big risk to put on, put on yourselves when you already know that love so well, you know. And, that, and it's funny, like the way... Matt and I try and explain our circumstance to people is um, I've had a few scares now as a teenager and in my early 20s from different um, doctors, usually male GPs. Um, God bless you for what you try with female genitalia. But anyway, um, they tried to tell me on a couple of different occasions that I couldn't have kids for different reasons. And then I finally went and saw a female gynecologist and she was like, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you've got lovely, healthy ovaries. You're producing everything correctly. You, I don't know why they said this to you. And I showed her, you know, the documentation to prove that I'm not just making it up. She was like, yep, that's crazy. You're fine. So having those little scares, I had to go through this random process very similar to yourself where I had to decide, am I okay with the idea that I can't have kids? And it was funny because it was the external pressure that was freaking me out, not mine. I was weirdly comfortable. I was like, oh, but I'm really okay with this. I don't understand why this is such a big deal. And it was usually women who were like 10 or 20 years my senior that were saying to me, you better make sure that this is something you're okay with or find someone that you can be with now who you can have them with because at least that way you've had one. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So I'm going to have one just to be safe. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. I thought you had children because you found someone that you were really, I mean, this is what they sell you in school. It's not true. Only have sex with someone you really love because having sex is meant to be about having kids and being in love with someone and having kids with someone you love. But then there was this weird process where when I found out that I might not be able to have kids, which turned just out to be it, bullshit, they were like, just have, have one. Anyway. I was like, what is happening? I was like, this is completely I think, contradictory. I think for some women though, they, they, they do have, as I said earlier, more of a, a natural yearning to have children mm. than others of us. And obviously we have less of a stronger urge to have babies. However, even, uh-oh, uh-oh even, even having, out. yeah, even, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, she's out. She's yeah. had it. <laughs> even having, even ha- having that urge, you can still move on. You, you spend your time, grieve for what you feel like you needed mm. and then let it go. Yeah, and totally. Move on. And, and don't just spend your life and all of your savings and all of the emotional stuff with your partner, don't destroy it mm. by one thing. Yeah. And that's the, th- and, and that's the thing. It's like I, I'm just sort of like using some of what you were talking about earlier. It's like 
don't you think that having a baby, if you needed to go to all those lengths, let's say you are struggling to have a child. Maybe it's not the right thing for you. Yes. Or let's say it really is and you're like, this is what I want and I'm going to do it. It's what I've always wanted. And your partner's exactly the same. Well, then that is a great reason to go through all the trouble. That is a yes, great is. reason to put yourself through it all because that goes back to what we were talking but about before. Like what brings you joy. It, yeah. Not sad about it. Yeah, like what the, like find each challenge and each time that it That's doesn't right. work out or whatever. Try to find the joy in it and let it bring your relationship closer together. Because you both it... you both so desperately want it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Allow that to happen. But mm. and work find really the fun hard in to, it. and yeah, find find the the fun, fun moments are yeah. that don't let it destroy you. Yeah. Like yeah. for a really good example of that actually because I, I can feel that moment that you might be having where you're like there is no joy in finding out that you can't have a kid or whatever it is. Yeah. And I had there a mis- a, it's not a, no. nice, not a nice conversation. But like years ago I had a miscarriage and at the time it really messed with my head because I was like, wow, the doctors must be right. I really can't have kids. I mean this one didn't work out, whatever. Mm. And I look back on that moment and I feel so much joy because I could have had a kid with a real dickhead <laughs> and so I'd have a five-year-old today if I'd had that baby and, like, it just would have been awful. I thought I was pregnant when I was 16. Wow. 16 and a half and I vividly recall it. And it was the worst moment of my life because mm. I wasn't ready. I was 16 and a half. Um, I wasn't. Mm. But, <laughs> yeah. but I get that. It was kind of, I was kind of like, Oh, this is insane! I don't. I'm not ready for this. I don't want this. Um, my mum's going to kill me. Like all those things are going through my head. Yeah. But I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I look back now and gone, that was my one chance. Then I would have been distraught. Yeah. Totally. No. Yeah. To me, look back. I look at it now and go, well, that's not a surprise. I wasn't pregnant because it was unlikely I was going to get pregnant anyway. Yeah. True. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like I think also. I wonder if couples that are struggling to have children but they really want to, I wonder if a lot of that fear and that pressure and that desperation and that pain that they go through, yeah, if we actually demystified pregnancy and took the pressure off of women and men to procreate. Just have a kid if you want to have a kid. Yeah, it it wouldn't be as painful. It wouldn't be as terrifying if we didn't make, you know, the life goal to end up with children or procreate, it'd, it'd just be so, we've, it'd just be such an easier process. We've I spent think. years and we've been, might not have been together for 20 years and we've spent years answering the question, oh, so do you have children? No, we don't. And people's faces drop and they're like, oh, we're sorry. It's or okay. Or, or why? why? Yeah, yeah. It's like, don't be sorry or don't worry about it. It's totally okay. We're yeah. good. Yeah. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a painful choice. It was like a. It was at the well. It was a. It was a, a forced decision, but it was a. It was a painful period. Yes. And then you're good to go. Yeah. Exactly. And well, so we made sure of it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like Matt and I have already come to like the way we try to explain it to people. Going back to that is like it's hard. It's like. So I found out recently that I can't go on any more contraceptions. I had the implanon rod in my arm. It was causing way too many hormone imbalances. Like I would turn into a banshee. Yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah, 10 days before getting my period, I was a mental patient. I was like, ah, poor Matt. Like literally. Is that why you've got like three or four different colored striped stretch jackets? Yeah, Yeah. correct. So you've seen my wardrobe. Stop it. I like the heels that match them too. <laughs> I've thrown them every now and again. That's why it's a straight jacket. So <laughs> there would be times when Matt and I would be on the phone and I would have to say to him, I need to get off the phone. And he'd be like, why? And I'm like, I need to get off the fucking phone right now. And yeah. he'd be like, why? And I'm like, because I'm about to yell at you and you've done nothing wrong. I need to get off the phone. 
be like, okay, love you. And I'm like, don't fucking say that. I got to go. I love you. Goodbye. And then hang up. He couldn't even tell me he loved me. It was yeah. like the emotion was so intense. I couldn't deal with it. So Wayne, Wayne calls them. So when I had my hysterectomy, I heightened. I, had, I got hit menopause when I was 30 as well. So it got oh. even worse, right? There's some bonuses there though. The first okay. one was the bonus says, I said to Wayne, what you've got now is what you've got for the rest of your life. So deal. <laughs> I'm going to change. Um, but Wayne called them EMs or VEMs which means EMs were emotional moments like you just described yeah. and VEMs were very emotional moments and they were completely irrational. Like we used to take um, uh, clients to the rugby to you know watch the game, wine and dine them and everything else and I knew the routine. So 9 o'clock, I say I still remember this, at 9 o'clock the game would finish, we'd still have well, 10 past 9, we'd have a few drinks, carry on, normally about midnight, 12.30 we'd get home. Not long after my surgery, emotional to hell and back. And it was, I'm I'm way not this irrational. Um, Anyway, I was at home still recovering and I was sitting in bed. And at nine o'clock, I was like, right, the game's done. 10 past nine, because this is Christchurch, 10 minutes, you're home. Where's Wayne? By 9.30, I was really angry. And then by 9.45, oh, my God, 9.45, I started bursting into tears going, oh, my God, he's leaving me. What if? This is a nightmare. This is terrible. He, By the time he got home, I was so hysterical that I was literally rocking myself in oh my, my bed. God. The point of that story is I, I get him a, hormones man they destroy who they can totally change who you are and it's so matt if she ever yells and screams at you like that there are times when truly uh, they they just mess with your head yeah so bad i still think wayne he's like what the fuck what have i come home to what's happened someone didn't come home (laughs) (laughs) i've been there but i'm home now i mean you didn't come home at half past nine I honestly think that the pill was the worst thing that's ever been created for women. Yeah, I think so too. Worst and best, but basically contraception. Contraception Oh my god, awesome! Awesome. Just use frangers. But yeah, the pill it messes with your body. Just glove up, man. Just glove up. (laughs) Glove up and call it a day. It's just not worth it. Like, make sure you use bright coloured, pretty ones. Yeah, all good. Or if you maybe they should release them with like flowers on them. Yeah. There is an army one actually. It's got like oh my um, God. army greens. I can stack it. In I can't art. see it. I can stack it in my art printed on latex <gasps> or rubber, whatever it's made of. That's very cool. That's very cool. You should do that. Oh, That's brand so new sexy. entrepreneurial moment. Oh my God! I'm getting five percent of that idea. By the way, um, <laughs> make it two. <laughs> but yeah, like okay. So our literally the way we have tried to describe it to people is: I went to my gynecologist earlier this year. She told me. It was best that I not be on anything anymore because it was messing with my hormones. I was like, that's cool. So I called Matt and I said, all right, we have two options here. I try something else, but the likelihood that you get neck-level psychotic moltment is pretty high. It's pretty high. Or I go off everything altogether and you get some frangers or we throw caution to the wind and see what happens. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah, and Matt and I, we at first we were like, Frang as it is. He and you're not the term now? dingers. Dingers? <laughs> yeah, we went through the list of all the things that you used to call them when you were a kid. I never heard that. I never heard dingers before either. He'd never heard of frangers. I frangers, like, frangers I heard, but not dingers. Come on. Everyone knows the franger, the common franger. Get him at the servo. <laughs> anyway. <Are> Aussies. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, me. When we sort of got to that place, I also said to him, I was like, look, 
I'm at a place where I've literally gone through the roller coaster of can I, can't I, can I, can't I, that I'm at a point now where if I can't, I'm cool with that. And if you are? And if I am? Well, maybe it was meant to be and I'm okay with that too. Wow, that's so brave. That's given me yeah. anxiety. Yeah, it scares <gasps> the absolute shit out of me because I have never known if I'm going to have kids or not. I've never known. But I've also I been... Because we're about to find out, hey? I know, right? But I've also been comfortable with the idea I'll that I will or I won't. wine for you. Pardon? I'll have the celebratory wine for you either way. <laughs> <laughs> we mean non-alcoholic wine. Get the alcoholic wine. No, just kidding. <laughs> kidding while ever we're recording. No, um, but uh, whenever Matt and I have tried to tell not all friends but some friends about it, it's been either very two very serious reactions. First one, don't tell anyone. You're not supposed to do that. Because if it doesn't work out, then you've got to explain to people why the baby didn't show up. Why? And I was like, but I don't You don't have care. to explain anything. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's okay. Like if I'm, even if I'm five weeks pregnant or six weeks pregnant and it doesn't work out, I'm going to fucking tell people because that's life. Yeah, it is. That's part of the journey, man. Like when I had my miscarriage, I mentioned it on Studio 10 and everyone freaked out. And I was like. We are freaking out, not because of what happened, but because we don't talk about it. Yeah, because it's not socially acceptable to discuss things. Exactly. We've made it abnormal, but it's actually one of the most normal things that can happen to a woman during the process of attempting to have a baby. Have babies. And the other reaction we got was, oh, my God, you're trying. Oh, my God, you guys are going to have a baby. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. And we were like, no. You've you've jumped the gun. Jumped the gun. Um, there's so much pressure now. But at the same time, we just, every time it gets really intense, we just take a breath and we look at each other and we remind each other that's their stuff. It's not that's ours. It's fully is their stuff. It's their meaning. You know, it's it's their desire. It's it's their Their impressions. desperate need to having a baby around. Yeah. And some couples, it, it just genuinely comes from that place of we love babies, we've always yeah, wanted babies. Fully. And some people we can see when it comes from a society thing of pressure of finally Heather and Matt have made it as a couple because they're going to have babies. Oh, that's you know what sweet. I mean? And it's it's uh, <laughs> it's tough because we... Which means that 20 years later, Wayne and I are still working out then that whether we're going to yeah, be together or fucked. not. I know, right? <laughs> Give each other another 20 years just to <laughs> yeah. see if it's okay. I feel like the most beautiful lesson um, <laughs> that anyone can take away from you today is finding the fun. Find the fun. The playfulness, like changing the term risk into playing. Like, what are you going to play with today? How are you going to get in the game today? But um, And put yourself first. Yeah, putting yourself first. That's a big one. Every time. Yeah. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You don't have to be this conceited, mm. annoying person by putting yourself first. In fact, I think the more you put yourself first, the more you can give to others because yeah. you become okay with your vulnerabilities. You become okay with, with the... Um, the, the randomness that you are because everyone's a little bit random, it's just whether some of us allow it to be out a bit more than others really, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that place, then you can give so much more love mm. because if you, if you can't love yourself, then how the hell can you love someone else? Yeah, 100%. You can't. So true. Not, not truly. Mm. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to share with, um, let's say, Sandra? Who's at home right now on a bare skin? Rug Sandra, I hope you've got a wine. glass of wine. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> it's always Sandra. Not you at all. I guess I, not at all. Just, just everyone says this. They always say the whole feel the fear and do it anyway. 
yes and no, that's a lot easier said than done, but just live your best life mm. in whatever form that means for you. And if that means living in a bloody caravan next to a river, fishing every day, then mm. do that. It doesn't matter. Matt and I decided that if life doesn't work out um, and the podcast turns uh, shit ass, we're literally going to sell everything and move to Byron Bay and open up a coffee shop. Nice. I'll be one of your customers. Better have good tea. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Well, we were going to make a fish and chip shop and then we realised we'd either smell like fish or Or oil. Chip fat. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, "Mm." that's not sexy. No. Bad skin. Yeah. Greasy hair. Yeah. All you fish and chip shop owners out there. 10 points for doing it. Yeah. Because I freaking love fish and chips. I love a good fish and chip. Nothing Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Bit of Mm -hmm. tartare. Job done. No batter needed, mate. (laughs) Straight on the grill. (laughs) Lemon and salt. Yeah. Perfect. Down the gob. On that note, obviously Mm -hmm. we're hungry. Yes. (laughs) Fish and chips, anybody? (laughs) Thanks for your time. Thank you for your time. You're an amazing human being. Let's go play with some paint. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Tracy, for coming in this week. Her and I actually just completed an awesome piece about connection that you can check out online. And she also has some amazing new collaborations coming up too. She's always doing something. Plus, you can purchase her pieces for your own personal home, workspace, whatever it is that you might potentially need a little bit of colour for. If you'd like to follow her on Instagram, it's Tracy Eaton. Or on Facebook, it's Tracy Eaton Artist. And her website is tracyeaton.com. The last name is spelled E-A-T-O-N. Like eat on. Ha <laughs> ha. It's one of my personal favorites. Remember, you can follow us on the website, which is onetogetherpodcast.com. You may have even found us on there in the first place. You can leave comments on the site if you like as well, or you can shoot us a personal email to onetogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and we also love your suggestions on whether or not you feel you have a story that you could share that could potentially help other people. Now, there are so many platforms we are on now, and the best part, if you sign up to Anchor, where we are hosted, you can send us audio messages. For example, hello, One Together Podcast. My name is, insert name here, and I would like to say, insert comment here of amazingness and frivolity. So like I keep saying, we are one together, so we love hearing from you because we're creating a community. It's not about us talking at you about us sharing insights and discussing things as a group. Now, you can get extras on the following socials, Heather Maltman for Instagram and Heather Maltman Official on Facebook because I am fancy. You can also get us on the Tube of You as well, which is otherwise known as YouTube. That's a little dad joke for you. Uh, This is the One Together podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number. Keep getting after it and feel free to pass this along to anyone who might even start thinking slightly that they are not anything other than the absolute shit because you are the shit. You are the shit. You are amazing. Keep getting... You want me to stop? Okay, no, stop. Sorry about that. I got a bit overexcited. Keep listening.